Welcome to the Book Trophy Podcast. I'm Sarah McCooling and I am very excited to be sitting here opposite debut author of Henry Hamlet's Heart, Rhiannon Wilde. It's lovely to be here. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Now, could you tell for the people listening a little bit about your new book? Mm-hmm. So my like elevator pitch that I give is that it's a queer YA love story about best friends at an all boys school set in Brisbane. I mean, it's a good pitch. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) short and snappy. (laughs) And so where did, could you just tell us a little bit about your like spark of inspiration for this Mm -hmm. story and how it came to um, be? So there are a couple of, there are two kind of main sparks, I guess you want to say. So the first thing was the character of Henry Mm -hmm. came to me kind of first and then I realized the story that I wanted to fit him in which was a story that had been kind of floating around and in, in the Tupperware containers of my brain for a couple <laughs> of years <laughs> I just watched um season two of feel good and she always talks about Tupperware containers in her brain I like I'm, it and Some I'm like people talk about a mind palace but I think Tupperware containers mine is, is like Tupperware containers <laughs> with, with the wrong lids but they're trying <laughs> they've got stuff in them I like it but yeah so I had this story floating around that I'd love to do a queer story about best friends and the complexity of friendship turning into more and mm. what that can look like and the transition of that. And then Henry as a character, he kind of like just just like bulldozed into my life. I was <laughs> I was teaching, it was my first, no, my second year of teaching mm. and I had to take my history girls on an excursion to a cemetery in Brisbane and I had to look at the graves of the Victorian era people and infer what their lives were like from the graves. And I kind of wandered off. I was watching a couple of them that were like going up the hill and making sure nothing <laughs> nothing was going wrong. Um, and I, I came across the grave of a Henry Hamlet and I was like, that's a cool name. But I'd never really believed the whole like you can go into a grave and see a name and it'll change your life in a literary sense and you'll have a character pop into your head until – I got home and I could fully see like my own teenage Henry Hamlet and he was just like standing in front of me like he was like he looks on the cover like messy brown hair and kind of glasses and brown eyes and he was like you should write me like I'm the thing you should write from the second he popped into my head he was like write me write me write me. So you kind of brought him home with you from the graveyard. Literally he followed me home (laughs) from a graveyard but he's not like the real Henry Hamlet was like a 40 year old man from the Victorian era so I definitely didn't like I don't think it's a ghost scenario um it's just that the name immediately I just had this character and then I knew he was the character because I knew that he was kind of neurotic and um and sensitive and funny and all these things that I thought would fit with this story idea that I'd had Mm. in about best friends falling in love and he literally followed me to work like every day after that until I wrote like the the first little piece of him that I wrote oh I love that (laughs) um I also love friends to lovers romances that's a real trope that I just adore me too I think and I always try and unpack why I I love the tropes I love Mm -hmm. and I think that this one really I love it because of that space special uh, kind of angst that it allows for where you're not only just worried that Mm -hmm. this person that you have feelings for maybe it won't work out there's this whole extra layer of worry because your friendship is at stake yes was it hard to write that tension in there because it's very well done thank you you can just sense and not even we're with we're with Henry yes um but what I thought was 
particularly special about this book is Henry's such a character and we're in his head and we see, we know who he is, but you also do such a really good job of um, making Len's feelings apparent to the reader, but not necessarily to Henry. <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's amazing balancing act. Thank you. Um, so speak to that, Rhiannon. How hard was that? <laughs> um, I think it, it was definitely like a deliberate effort. Mm. And I think I love that you picked up on uh, that Henry doesn't always know what's going on, yeah. but the reader does. Mm. And that was a fun, that's a really fun balance throughout this whole manuscript is that Henry almost never knows what's going on. Bless him. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> and, and, um, but I, I liked putting little clues in mm. of how Len feels and like from really early on and Henry's like, yeah, no, we're just, we're buds, just bros being bros. And um, yeah, I think, I think it is difficult. And coming back to what you said about the stakes mm. of friendship was something that we really um, held throughout the edit pretty foremost in our minds was that it is delicious tension to have really high stakes yeah. of friendship and the balancing act of of these two people who who have this intense thing happening to them who don't always know how the other feels, I think helped that st- those stakes like that. Truly. That Henry's yeah. so oblivious but he's it's his coming of age moment and, and yeah, so it is tense. <laughs> In layers, yeah. yeah. I, really, I, I really loved that. I think all of the best romances, I love um, first person. Like I really, I, I love reading it. Um, but it does sometimes limit a writer because you can you have to you're trapped in one perspective. Mm. So I particularly love when it's first person and you get to really crawl inside that character's head, but you also get a pretty good sense of what's going on with the other love interest. Yeah. Also, I think the difficulty of friends to lovers and making those high stakes felt is that you really have to present the friendship to readers before you start delving into the potential romance Mm. and that is so well done here not just in the friendship between Len and Henry but also in their wider circle because there's such great banter between these friends there's a real like sense of the way that they tease each other and um it was very believable and very well done and it just makes me want to ask like did were you drawing from your own teen friendship circle I mean some of the time I was I think there's pieces of of people I know in a lot of these characters. Like mm. um, there's a quote that I love that, by an author that I love who said that um, you steal a human heart for each really good character. Oh. <laughs> and I'm a little bit like that, but I would never take a whole person that I know and mm. kind of transpose them in fiction. I think there's little sprinkles yeah. of friendships that I have been in. Like I've always had male friends and I love the kind of banter but then if something goes wrong, a male friend is just like there, like, I'm going to help you, I'm going to fix it. And it's like this dramatic loyalty that they have, you know, yeah. whereas female friendships have that, have a different complexity to them. And, and you, you experience that closeness almost all the time. Whereas male friendships, I love in those moments where um, there's a moment near the end of the book where Henry really kind of needs everybody. And you see the way that male friends really come together and, yeah. and have that beautiful sense of mateship and loyalty and like someone flipped the friendship switch and was like this is now now is not a time for teasing now is a time for supporting exactly (laughs) because it isn't always banter and and um you know my partner's a man and I've watched him with his male friends 
that he's had since he was young and, and the closeness of those bonds. And I really wanted to capture that because I don't know if it's something that we always think about, that, that mm. boys have these beautiful friendships with each other yeah. and they're not just brutes. <laughs> you know? They're really not, even though, you know, the, like the character of Jed in this book, like a lot of the time he is, but I wanted to show softness and I think friendship is a really nice way to do that. Yeah, I thought I thought it was very well done. Thank you. And now here's a question where if you just want to say, Sarah, that is a spoiler. We're not <laughs> going to discuss that. It's really hard. Um, so there is a this, – this is set in a particular time. Yes. And um, the, the time was not immediately apparent to me. Oh. But it was very well displayed with mm-hmm. sort of – are we allowed to talk about when this is set? Yeah. Yeah, okay, 100%. Cool. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> I just didn't know if you wanted to let people discover that when they go. No. Like, because I don't want to risk someone getting to the end and being like, what the hell were some of those references? <laughs> like, oh, no. I think it's very clear. <laughs> Thank you. But it wasn't clear on opening the book. No. So on opening the book, I started reading thinking yep. that it was set now, but then pretty quickly figured yep. out that it wasn't. Yep. But, oh, my God, this was a snapshot in time. Like, I got so nostalgic. <laughs> Can you, I, obviously it's set somewhere in the later noughties. Yeah, it's 2008. Um, 2008. How much fun was it getting all of the TV references and like even like some of the language and yep. everything set around that time? Literally so much fun. We had so <laughs> much fun. My editor is really similar to my age and she was in year 12 in 2008. Yeah. And immediately when she came on board for this project, she's like, I love it. Let's ham it up. Let's go hard. <laughs> Because <laughs> like, the, they play Snake on a phone, you know, that game yeah. on a flip phone. I remember just that was the old, you know, we open our phones and go on Instagram now. But I remember being a teenager and playing Snake on yeah. a flip phone, which cost about $50, the flip phone <laughs> itself. And, and um, that was in the first draft and there were a couple of others. And then um, I wanted it to be subtle, but mm. also I wanted the setting, the time setting to play a part in yeah. in the in the story and we had so much fun bringing stuff in like MySpace we brought I in loved it so much. we changed all of the text speak because we didn't use full sentences back then yeah like it was wild seeing it yeah. it was such a it was such a trip i was like oh we're back at this time yep. and it really made me conscious of the nostalgia cycle because yeah. i feel like we've been phasing out of 90s nostalgia yes. into noughties, noughties nostalgia for a while now. But yep. as we go well into the 20s and further and further, it's going to yeah. come up more and more. Well, we're getting further away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need it as well. It's time. It's time for the noughties nostalgia to yeah. like rise and become supreme. <laughs> um, but, yeah, having like references to the kids all watching an episode of The O.C. I like, loved doing that. Yeah, it was... I was such an O.C. tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and so was Felicity, my editor, and we're like, yes. And you know, like in a very Australian and slightly different way, I got Seth Cohen vibes from Henry. Yes, like, same. Yeah. He's obviously a Seth. Yes. yes. And I, I like putting in intertextual references. This is the English teacher in me. Mm. But like there are references to characters that Henry is similar to. Like he's called Henry Hamlet because he's not dissimilar to Hamlet. You know, he's a neurotic, tragic yeah, I protagonist. <laughs> and then he, Seth Cohen is in it because I think Henry sees himself in Seth Cohen. and. Yeah. And, and, you know, who else um, do people of a certain age think of when they think of the grand romantic gesture exactly. in a high school? <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it was great. I very, very much enjoyed it. Oh, yay. Uh, how does it feel? This is your, your first book coming yes. out into the world. It's already won awards. Um, 
How does it feel like you, you're still a little bit, at the time of recording, the book is not yet out, but it's yeah. coming soon. So, so soon. What's your state of mind? <laughs> what's my state of mind? Yeah. Um, I think it's, it is, it's an anxious time and mm. it's anxious and exciting in kind of equal measure and a little bit daunting, but it's also like pretty miraculous, like all the little things that you do that you that you're doing for the first time, like even just being here is, is like exciting because it's the first time I've done it and wow. having a book that's physically exists is in, is like... And you're holding it in your hand. I know. There's a wall of it behind There's you. There's a wall of little <laughs> yellow lemony babies and every time I see it I can't believe that like it's the little manuscript that I wrote that I submitted to an award and yeah, it's pretty awesome but also scary. <laughs> I, I love when we have a debut author come through because I feel like meeting people when they're on their way to having their first book come out and then you, you know, anticipate the times that they'll come back yeah. with future books and stuff. It's a, one of my favourite parts of this job. Mm. But so you wrote this and submitted it when? How long ago was that? So I wrote the first draft in 2018. At the end of 2018, Henry came into my life and followed me around for weeks and weeks. And then <laughs> I was working teaching contracts. Like when you are first a teacher, you don't often get permanent jobs. So you kind of go around and do like a term or a semester or whatever. And I happened to not get one, get another one and um, at where I was when I thought I was going to. So I had a term off. And my husband was like, you need to write that book. That's, <laughs> that, that, that character that you keep talking about, you should write it. So I just did, I just, that's what I did for three months. And I wrote the first draft in three months and then sort of sat on it. I went back to work and, and in 2019 and I submitted it on a whim. Wow. I submitted the first draft. Don't recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always say. I don't recommend this, but this is what I did. Um, the first draft to the Queensland Literary Awards unpublished manuscript category. And that was in like mid-2019 or like early when the submissions opened. And then I won it won its category in about September. So why do you not recommend that? It worked great for you. <laughs> well, you're not me- you're not meant to do anything with your first first draft. Like right. I feel like, when, when, I mean, I think it wasn't a, it wasn't obviously obviously it mustn't have been a terrible first draft. But like a lot of people would work on it for years before they would do that. <laughs> Whereas I'm very like fly by the seat of my pants kind of. I've got it out. Here we go. I'm just well, going to have a go and see. I think it was the right decision. Thank you. I think <laughs> so too because had I sat with it, I might have changed things or overworked mm. the dough, I think, is, is what I have a tendency to do. Yeah, you hear that from writers that that's really hard to let go. Sometimes you can just keep polishing and keep polishing and keep polishing. Yeah, and sometimes you become it's like Gollum. Literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally. And that's what I used to call it. I have this grubby printout of my first menu, like the first draft, and that was my precious. But then it's so it was so nice to get my editor's eyes on it when it was that fresh and kind of then the second draft was kind of the almost the final text. Wow. Yeah. And then we did another polish <laughs> what, what would you say was the hardest part of writing Henry Hamlet's heart oh the hardest part probably the the arc of Len's dad was really hard yeah because he's a character that changed a lot from the first draft there's a lot that I wanted to do with him he was a lot more like evil and kind of faceless right because I didn't want to get too close to him because he's a horrible person you don't want to sympathize with that you know? character yeah he was really hard to get inside his head and I like what you were saying about how 
it's it's great when first person books still show you really clearly who the other characters are Mm. and something I try really hard to do is to know them incredibly well all the secondary characters so I had to get to know John Mm. and that kind of happened at the end of the second draft and I I remember I copied and pasted all of his scenes into one document so I could see how he progresses and it just took so long to get across this complexity and these themes of toxic masculinity and father-son relationships kind of through Henry's lens Mm. and get across what I wanted to get across like I even read I read this book called Shame it's like a psychology book that my husband had on his shelf and I read a couple of stories in that from people who'd had horrible relationships with their parents to try and get in that mindset of of Len's dynamic with his dad And that helped towards the end and we finally felt like he read as real as we could make him. I think, yes, that it was was well done and nicely foiled in terms of you also have Henry's very different dynamic with his father. Yes. Um, I love his dad. Yeah. Look, I love love, um, Henry and Lennon or Hen and Len. (laughs) Lenry. (laughs) Lenry. (laughs) Me me and Felicity and my editor call them Lenry. (laughs) They, they're really, it's a beautiful story. Thank you. And I think it will really, really capture people's hearts, this one. Thank you so much. Um, if you, have you always wanted to write? Yes. So if you could go back in time to like, the characters in this book are 18. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back to 18-year-old Rhiannon and mm-hmm. say, guess what? <laughs> You're going to write this book. Yep. And it's going to be about this. <laughs> what do you think that 18-year-old Rhiannon would say? I think she'd be really excited. Like that's all she wanted, but she's also very pragmatic and she was like, no, I have to study something else. I have to have something steady. I'm not going to be good enough to get published. You need a day job. Yeah, exactly. But she wouldn't have believed me. She would have been like, no. I would have had to show it to her. Wow. (laughs) And be like, this is your name on it. (laughs) And you did this. And then I think she would be, she'd be really happy because it's all I wanted, I think. Because I've done it since I was a kid. Like Just written stories. Yeah, always, always. So then I know you're just about to have this book come out and it might be a little bit cheeky of me to ask this, but are you already working on the next one? Yeah. <laughs> Is it too soon to talk about that one? No, I can talk a little bit about it. I don't want to <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> I am, I did kind of go into doing another one pretty much. Well, it popped into my head as soon as I finished, as soon as I knew Henry was done, mm. I was like, okay. And then these two new characters popped into my head. So I'm currently working on my second YA novel, which is about two sisters who live by the sea and it's kind of a gothic mystery. It's got themes of um, mental illness and anxiety and depression and then there's also another queer romance, but it's girls this time. So, Uh, You had me at gothic? (laughs) Yes, I'm having a lot of fun, like (laughs) researching, like rereading Jane Eyre. to research (laughs) and I mean how have you found it it may be too soon to ask because the book isn't out yet but um how have you found your interactions with the Love Was YA community because it's such a vibrant community and they're so like welcoming of new they are no everyone's been really lovely like I've been really surprised by the sense of community that I don't know if you get from other genres like it's Mm. it's definitely like a little group and and everyone's been really welcoming and and lovely and I did Brisbane Writers Festival like a month ago and got to meet Anna Waitley and Gary Lonsborough and a couple of other people and they're so nice. And It's a marvellous community. Really I saw is. in your um, acknowledgements as well that you thanked Will Kostakis. Yes. How is – is he a friend or did you – He was just involved in kind of advising the, oh. the early manuscript. 
He's he's one of my faves. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, his his books are great, and he worked with um, my publisher Claire Hume, so I was lucky to get get those eyes, those um, experienced eyes on that early draft. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a great community. I yeah. think that um, like and it's really exciting publishing happens in Australian YA. Yeah, I feel um, we should we should be proud of that. We should be, and, and there's so many to be excited about. I yeah. read a lot of it, and it's just because <laughs> it's so good. I mean, well, I'm not a YA anymore, but I'm still very much a YA reader. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I 100% join you in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I being the manager for the kids category, I, yeah. I read a lot of YA, um, and I'm so glad of that because I feel like had I not come to work at Booktopia, I might probably would have just stopped reading YA yeah. because you aren't, it's no longer marketed to you and you yeah. move on with life. And it's, I just feel like it's a vibrant corner of the publishing world. Oh, yeah. I don't think you ever have to stop. Like, no. because it's, everyone remembers being a teenager and the depth and intensity of those emotions. And I think it's always exactly. nice to remind yourself of that. And there's, there's something like so intrinsically human about the coming of age story and we never like we like to think that we come of age and then that's it but (laughs) unfortunately we keep coming of age it just keeps happening and you just keep moving through stages of life and so so I think for that reason it always kind of strikes a chord if you you know if you can get past your mental block as an adult and read about teenagers it's always a rewarding experience however it's written for the teens yeah (laughs) well it's it's anyone like yeah 16 and up I reckon (laughs) So uh, that brings me to my last question. I hate to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, I would have asked you this before the podcast so you'd have time to think, but I'm just going to throw it at you. <laughs> I'm scared now. And you can just say, Sarah, no. <laughs> but, like, uh, I just wanted to ask, is there anything you've read lately that you wanted to recommend or that you really enjoyed? Oh, well, I've already said that I met Anna recently, Anna yeah. Waitley, and I absolutely, like, adored Peter Lyers writing Normal. Oh, like, isn't that, I can't yeah. even tell you how much I loved it. Like yeah. I just fell in love with Peter and her voice. It's a beautiful book. It's just like I said to Anna, like it's it, it's incredible and more voices like this need to exist because it was fascinating and yeah. not one second of it was boring or like I just thought it was it was very vibrant. So That's um, a great recommendation. Yeah. I second that. Yep. Um and yeah, and you've told us what you're working on. Yep. Before we wrap up the podcast, is there any one special thing that, um, you know, one core message that you would like readers to take away from Henry Hamlet's heart? I guess love who you love and like love is love and and fall in love with whoever you love and that's fine because (sighs) (laughs) that's something that I wish I got to hear when I was younger that I didn't. Yeah. And I love that, that we are now hearing more stories like that and that's what I hope people get out of Henry. Henry's oh, story. <laughs> giving me feelings. Oh. <laughs> yeah, then thanks so much for coming in and speaking to us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, everyone listening, you can pop to your local bookstore or online at Booktopia and pre-order or if you're listening to this after July 2nd, <laughs> order yep. your copy of Henry Hamlet's Heart. You will not regret it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, 
for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.